Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you, Lord, as we gather in these moments in your presence and, Lord, in your word. I thank you, God, that your word is more than good ideas or some instructions to live by, but your word is transformational. It's living. It's active. And as your Holy Spirit touches your word in these moments, as you empower us, Lord, to experience you through your word, we pray it would transform us. I ask for your anointing to rest upon me as I deliver the word, Lord, because otherwise it's just encouragement. But God, let it be transformational today. Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible this morning, Luke chapter four, it's gonna be our primary text today that we want to focus on. I also want to look at Mark chapter 16 in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, that these books are in the New Testament, Luke chapter four and Mark 16, and we'll also have the verses for you on the screen. Today, I want us to, to look at how Jesus modeled mission. I want us to look at how Jesus partnered with the Holy Spirit to empower him. And in the same way, the Spirit of God empowers us to live our lives as great commission proclaimers. And sometimes we struggle in this area. We say, I, I know I'm supposed to share my faith with people, and I, I know I'm supposed to live my life on mission. And I believe this is going to help us today as we look at how Jesus modeled it. If you're new to church or new to faith or you're exploring, I believe there's something for you here today as well. And so I want to encourage you to hang in and I want to share with you at the end how this will impact you. But I believe you'll get something from everything. You see, in a bad news world, and how many know the world is full of bad news? I want to remind us today that we have good news to share. In fact, here's the title of the message, the best news ever. We have the best news to share. And so we have to get good at sharing this news. <laughs> but it's not just about hyping each other up and, and trying harder. There's a secret to how we can become excellent at sharing the good news, effective at sharing the good news, not just as a church, but individually in our lives. And I believe both, God's going to help us that both of these will happen today. So Luke chapter four, starting at verse 14, then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and news of him went out throughout the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all were in the synagogue there fixed on him. 
And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And I want to just reorientate us around Mark chapter 16, the great commission as we start this missions month. So Jesus, after he died and he rose from the dead, he met his disciples for breakfast and he said this, he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And then Jesus told them that there will be signs that will follow them as they are on mission, as they are proclaimers of good news. And then Jesus was taken up into heaven. And then in verse 20, it says, and the disciples then went everywhere and they preached this gospel, this good news. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So in other words, as the disciples went out to preach, God's presence, his spirit was confirming through signs. Let me start with a, a question for you. Have you ever received either a text message, an email, or a voicemail from someone? And it's, it's all they say, the, no details, just this. Please call me right away. Has that ever happened to you? You say, well, why can't you give me more information than that? Just, could you call me right away? And it's especially unnerving when it's somebody who maybe you haven't seen for a while. Maybe something's happening that you're not sure what the answer is going to be. You're waiting on an answer. You're waiting. Maybe it's a boss or it's your manager at work. Call me right away. How dare they send us messages like that? Because what happens to us is we begin to wonder, is it good news or is it bad news? And most often, isn't it true that we go right away to, it's probably bad news, <laughs> even if it's good news. Now, I've had things happen like that, and I call the person, and they're like, hey, good news. Like, oh, okay, well, why didn't you tell me? Like, why did you have to be so cryptic and weird about it? But we have a propensity, we have a disposition, we have a a way of thinking that leads us to thinking, well, it's probably bad news before good news. In a recent experiment done by McGill University, it confirmed that humans, that for the most part, we expect bad news. And the psychologists call it a negative bias. We have a negative bias. That's why bad news spreads so quickly. That's why when you turn on TV or on your Twitter or your Instagram or whatever it is, there's just lots, of, just lots of complaining and bad news. But what was very interesting, and I want us to think about this, in this study, as reported in this article, even though we have a negative bias, it showed that what people really desire is good news. I thought that was very interesting. The bias is to bad news, but what humans really desire deep down is good news. Now that makes sense too. If I said, said to you, would you like to hear the good news first or the bad news? Often, I'll answer like this. Give me the bad news first because I, I, I got to have some hope here. Give me the bad news first because I can handle it. I'll take it on the cheek. And then if the bad news is not that bad, then how many know you're ready to hear the good news? It's because we desire good news at our core. We want it to be good news. And the good news is this, is we have experienced through Jesus good news. 
We have experienced the good news ourselves. Those of us who have surrendered our lives to Christ, it, it was good news to us because we knew we needed a savior. We knew we needed forgiveness. We knew, we knew that there was something more beyond ourselves. And when we surrendered our lives to Christ, it was the best news ever that we heard and experienced in our lives. You see, the word gospel is a Bible word. And when I say the word gospel, what are some things that come to your mind? Gospel, what does that mean? For some of you say, well, gospel is music. Gospel music, okay? Other people, well, gospel, maybe it's a, a way of living your life or it's a moral code. Or maybe the gospel is, is something else. It's a preacher, a gospel preacher. You have many images maybe come to your mind. But the, the word gospel is the euangelion. It's what it, the word is in scripture. And it means the good, the good message, the good news. It, it literally just means good news. And when they would come back from battle, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, in this culture, in the, in the biblical times, when someone would be in battle, there would be an announcer that would come back and he would declare and he would, he would yell, good news, good news. It's a de declaration of good news, that there's victory. And the gospel is good news concerning the person and the work of Jesus. This is the good news and the way of salvation, the good news story. The gospel is sharing about Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. But the good news or the gospel is also the entirety of scripture. It's the whole story of the Bible. And the good news is also Jesus himself, which I'm going to look at at the end. But anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, Jesus said. How many know that's good news? You're going to be saved from your sin. But if there's good news, there has to be bad news. And in the words of Jesus himself, like we read, Jesus said this, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Now that's, that's harsh. That seems, that seems kind of intense. I thought Jesus was just all loving. No, Jesus said those who believe and are baptized will be, will be saved. But anyone who refuses will be condemned. You see, we're condemned. Why? Because we are all sinners. Every one of us have sinned, have, making a mis have, have made a mistake. Sin, mi missing the mark is what it means. We, we haven't hit the bullseye in our lives. And we're all aware of this to certain degrees. All of us have sinned. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is what the Bible tells us about ourselves. And, and that's, that's our human state. And we, and we do our best to try to compensate for that, don't we? I think we're aware of the fact that we've hurt people, we've let people down, we've said things we shouldn't have said, we've done things we shouldn't have done. All of us are, are aware at our core that we don't live in perfection, like to walk around and never make mistakes. So what we do then is we have a mindset, and a lot of people in our culture have this mindset, well, they recognize that they're, that they're sinful, that they're, they make mistakes, they hurt people, they hurt themselves, they're addicted, they're, they're just not who they really feel they want to be. And, and so they say, well, because I'm a bad person in certain ways, I, I, I'm actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person too. And so I, so I spend time doing good deeds and, and, and I'm not all bad. In fact, I do more good in my life than I do bad. And I think in general, there, there's something to say about that, that I think as human beings, we desire to be good. And, and, and to a certain level in humanity, there is, there is goodness. But how many are aware that there's also, there's also sin? There's also brokenness. 
There's evil. There's darkness. There's hatred. There's unforgiveness. There's pain. There's war. We live, we live in a, a fallen world. We live in a planet that has been tainted by sin. It's obvious. And, and in our best efforts, in our, in our own utopian desires to see things work out, and, and even you know, we look at, at politics and we look at other people, and maybe we can do this program or we can, we can save this or save that, and, and, and we, we think if we can save other stuff, we can maybe save ourselves. And, we, we, and, and some of these are good causes, but, but a good cause will never fix the sin problem. It'll never fix it. It'll never sort it out. And Jesus said that there's good news if you believe in him and you're saved, but there's bad news if you refuse. But the good news is that since it was impossible to get to God by our righteous living, because it was impossible for us to obey the law of God and live perfectly before him, the good news is that God came to us. We couldn't get to him, but the best news ever is that God came to us, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, God, the first missionary. He came to us as a man, fully God and fully man. And he lived among us and he lived a life that we could not live in righteousness before God the Father and willingly laid down his life, paid the price that we should have paid. And this is good news. And people try to get to God, but the only way to God, Jesus said, was through him. Let me remind us Christians that Christianity is a narrow road. It is a narrow road and there is one way and his name is Jesus. And in the fullness of time, God sent his son to die on the cross. And whosoever will may come, but it is a narrow way. And I like to think of the cross sometimes as a door. It's a narrow door. It's a door that is a stick, a beam of wood that goes this way and a beam of wood that goes that way. Vertical and horizontal. Speaking of vertical being a connection between man and God and horizontal speaking of the outstretched arms of God who welcomes us into that door. That we walk through that narrow way to find salvation. We must come to the cross. We must come through the cross. This is the way of salvation. But on the other side of that cross is wide open spaces of grace. Wide open spaces of life that you can never experience any other way except through Christ. No one comes to the Father except through me, is what Jesus said. And this is good news, that it was impossible for us to get to God, but God came to us. And Jesus is not a condemner. A lot of people think, well, the gospel, doesn't that mean that we're condemned? You were only condemned if you never repent of your sin. And Jesus does not desire that. God does not desire that. He made a way. The Bible says that God is not slow at keeping his promises. As Some think he's slow, but he is patient with us, giving everyone time and space to change, giving every one of us space and time to come to repentance. God's heart is that all would come to the cross and all would come to repentance. And this is the burning passion, the burning burden that we have as a church. This is our why. This is why we do what we do. Yes, we are here to encounter God and to meet God and to worship God. We are here at the church primarily on this Sunday, first and foremost, for the King. That's why we gather. 
But the king has also commissioned us and given us a mission. And it's called in scripture, the great, com- the great commission. And you might've heard this before. It is not called the great suggestion. It is the great commission and the great commission needs to be lived out with great compassion. Because when Jesus looked at the crowds, he had great compassion. And the great commission needs to be lived out with great conviction. And it needs to be lived out with a heart that says, God, you've given me such beautiful eternal life. And I want to partner with you to get this news out. And this is what happened to the disciples. They encountered Jesus and they went and they obeyed him. It's not out of just Christian duty. We're not trying to get points to get to heaven. Well, I can get more converts or more people at the church. This is not a multi-level marketing or some kind of, you know, nothing. You know, if you're into that, it's okay. You know, I've done some of that before too. It didn't work that great. But anyway, uh, it's not that. It's, this, this is the kingdom. His church. She's so beautiful. Jesus loves his church. He died for the church. And we're not perfect. But he loves us. We are all sinners. We all have sinned. The penalty of sin is death, but the good news is since it was impossible to get to God, he made a way. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, it says in Romans. Jesus died. He took the penalty that we deserve. He was buried. He, raised again. he rose again. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And through, that, through faith and trust in Jesus, we are born again. We are born again. In a bad world full of bad news, we serve a good God who invites us to experience good news and to share the best news ever. The problem is, though, a lot of us have experienced that good news in our lives. But how can we become better at sharing this good news? Now, I'm all for seminars and training, and we've done some of that. We're going to do some of that in the future to help. I'm all for memorizing four spiritual laws and tracts. There's a lot of great things that you can utilize to share your faith more effectively. But this morning, I want us to, to look at, at Jesus I want us to look closer at this text because Jesus himself is our model. And in our text, this is like, in a sense, Jesus' mission statement. I believe it will help us become more effective. So let's look at this. First of all, Jesus, here's how, here's how we become more effective. Jesus operated in the power of the Spirit. It says that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He came in the power of the Spirit. We need a fresh empowerment on our lives. You see, Jesus, as he, as he came into Galilee, he went to the synagogue and he was invited. I guess they would have you know, guest speakers come through. And whether Jesus was, I think he came regularly to this place and he came in through the, in the power of the Spirit. He came out of being tempted by the enemy, out of that time of trial in the desert. And he came in the power of the Spirit. And he came on the Sabbath and... It says that he came regularly. It says that as it was his custom. And I want to, just as a side note, say that if Jesus went to church regularly on the Sabbath, I think it's a great idea for us to continue to come to church regularly. I think it's a good thing because we model our lives after Jesus. Now, we don't want to get into being too crazy. And we've kind of 
loosen up a little bit. So you could take the odd Sunday off here and there, and that's fine, and we all do that. And I'm not talking about that. But for some of us, maybe we've got out of the habit through COVID or whatever it may be, where we've just got to disengage totally from the body of Christ and from coming. I think it's a good habit as we look at Jesus to come together regularly. Do not forsake the meeting together of yourselves, as some are in the habit of doing. We are the ecclesia. We are, we are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. We, we are the church, and we need each other. But Jesus, as he was there, he came on the Sabbath. He came as was custom. And the context here is he is given scripture to read. He's given a portion from Isaiah, Isaiah 61. And often in the synagogue, they would meet together regularly. They would have someone read from the law, and they would also have someone read from the prophets. And Jesus was given this scripture from the prophets. And the context here is the suffering servant from Isaiah. And, and it's the coming of the Messiah. It's speaking of the, the life and ministry of Jesus himself. So Jesus essentially is speaking about himself. He's reading the prophecy from hundreds of years before about who he was, that, that he was going to come, and the anointing and the grace that would be upon his life, and the Spirit of God upon him and his mission. And Jesus begins to read about himself. Some people call this portion of Isaiah the, the fifth gospel. And it speaks of Jesus. So he stood up and he read the prophecy about himself. And this is what he said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You see, Jesus operated in the power of the spirit. He operated with the anointing on his ministry. One of the ways that we can become more effective gospel proclaimers as individuals and as a church family on mission is that we say, God, we desire fresh anointing. We need the anointing of God on our lives and on our ministry in a fresh way. And I believe we have the anointing and the anointing abides within us, the scripture says, but there's something about coming upon us in a fresh way. It says that Jesus, he came and the spirit was upon him. It says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. There's an anointing that comes down. What is anointing? Anointing means to mix and to mingle. It means to smear. It speaks of oil. And in the pictures in the Old Testament where they would, they would put oil upon the priests and they would pour out not just a little dab on their head like we pray for people with oil now, but it was oil that would fall down upon the priest and it would be on his beard and his robe. And the idea is wherever that priest went, there was a fragrance to the oil. And the oil was put together fragrantly as was given by God the instructions in Exodus to Moses to put the oil together in a fragrant way. And so when the priest would walk into a room to minister, when you would walk by the priest, you would not only see the priest, but you would encounter the priest with the fragrance that flowed from the oil that was on his life. And I want to encourage you and remind you that Jesus Christ, the anointed one, he lives inside of you. He has given us his Holy Spirit. The anointing of God is for you to carry, to walk in. And the anointing is a gift from God, but it must be stewarded. It must be stewarded because the oil is precious upon us. But what my prayer is and my desire is, is that God would pour out a fresh anointing upon First Assembly. We have programs. We have vision. And man, we have some exciting vision this month as we are focusing globally. And this fall as we are focusing uh, on, on reproduce in the south and, and, and being on mission in the city. But it's exciting and the vision and the programs and all the things that God has given us. And there's momentum and there's grace and people are coming to Christ. And we, we love it. We're so excited. But unless we have a fresh anointing, we will never fulfill what God has intended 
for us to fulfill. We can't do it with buildings and program and even giving and, and, and all those things are important, but we, we can't even just do it with good leadership and all those things. We need a fresh anointing and Jesus came in the power of the Spirit and he had the fresh anointing. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, what? To preach the good news, the gospel. And I love our charismatic Pentecostal family. I love you guys. We love, we, love, we love the flow of the Spirit, whether you're Pentecostal or you're charismatic. But we must be careful that we don't just focus on the gifts and the anointing for ourselves. The anointing is always to preach the gospel. We got to be careful. And I'm all for having conferences and learning your gift and interpreting your you know, prophetic gift and, 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 and having all these you know, meetings about how we can experience the anointing in our lives. And I, I'm all for that. But if it stays there and it's just for you, you're off. The anointing is for a purpose. The anointing is for the furtherance of the gospel. The anointing is so that people can be saved and, and, and be snatched from eternal separation from God and be snatched from the, the flames of hell and brought into the kingdom to experience life in Christ. You were dead, but now you have been made alive because of Christ. You see, the gospel is not about just helping people be better. It's not about living a good life. It's about dead people coming to life. You were once dead in your sins. That's what the apostle Paul says, but now you've been made alive in Christ. This is the best news ever. This is the best news ever. But the anointing has to be upon our lives so that we can share. What is the anointing? It's the power. It's the presence of God resting upon a life, a ministry, a church. And I thank God for the anointing that is upon First Assembly. I thank God for the history and the longevity and all of you. And, but friends, we need it fresh again. We need, we need a, a fresh outpouring of his presence on our lives. You see, like Jesus who is our model missionary, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let me say today, the spirit of the Lord wants to come upon you and me in a fresh way. The spirit of the Lord, we need a fresh anointing to, for soul winning. And I believe it's already beginning to happen. We had 83 people at Alpha on Thursday night in the gym. And people are there and many people, agnostics and atheists and others that are maybe new Christians that are there too, that are, that are growing in Christ. But we thank God because I believe the anointing for soul winning, for evangelism is rising. It's something that God is doing in our hearts. And so we're saying, Lord, I don't want to just do this out of duty because I'm trying to be a good Christian. I have to share my faith. It's not a have to, it's I get to. It's not a do it on your own, it's do it under the anointing. Let, let your life be the sermon. Let your life be the fragrance. Let the anointing flow from your life. And as we do, we will see a harvest of souls. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up and send out workers. May we be the answer to that prayer. Say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am. I want to be an answer to that. I remember a number of years ago, I was in a service and I was feeling in my own life a bit of a dryness, especially in the area of just sharing my faith. And I remember there was an altar call and there was a preacher from South America and he was there and he was preaching in Spanish. And he says, if you want a fresh anointing on your life, come to the front. And I remember coming to the front. 
and standing there. And he began to pray over me a fresh anointing. And he prayed, Una unción fresca. Una unción fresca. Fresca, fresca, fresh, 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 fresh anointing. And he began to pray this over me. And I remember it was just over and over. And there was like waves of God's grace and his power. And I walked out of there. And I'll tell you what happened is I began to feel a greater grace and a greater compassion for lost people. I felt a greater stirring in my heart to say, God, what are you doing right now? And how can I be open to partner with you? And sometimes we feel like it's, we got to do a sales job or we got to close the deal or we got to get somebody, you know, sign on the dotted line or whatever. No, it's just about your life being a sermon. It's just about your life being in partnership with the Holy Spirit to say, God, what are you doing and where are you working? And I want to be a part of what you are doing. Jesus said, I always want to be doing what the Father's doing. I want to be about my Father's business because the Father's business is the kingdom. And God is calling us again to a season to walk in a fresh anointing, that we would be people of his kingdom, expanding his kingdom, letting his kingdom come, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The fresh anointing upon our lives and our church. So Jesus, he operated in the power of the Spirit, and this is how we can step in to greater kingdom impact, to greater gospel proclamation. Secondly, Jesus was anointed to preach the good news. And I already alluded to that. It was for a purpose. He said, the spirit is upon me because he has anointed me to preach to the poor. It's interesting that he highlights the poor. Economic poverty was very real at that time. And Jesus was good to the poor. He had compassion on the poor. He helped the poor. And even in our city, there are people who are economically poor. And I love how our church reaches out weekly through our FA Cares and our hampers and our pantry ministry. And, and I love how we're connected to the Dream Center, which our church started many years ago. And it's our partner ministry in the city to help the homeless and addicted in Calgary. Our focus and our heart has always been to the poor, the orphan and the widow. From the very beginning of this church, 90 some years ago, this church, when it first started, one of the first ministries it started was a mission, downtown Calgary on 8th Avenue, helping people who were homeless and addicted, feeding the hungry. Our church has always been about that. And I believe that as we continue to focus on the poor, the marginalized, that God will continue to pour out his grace. We help the poor and we lend to the Lord is what the scripture says. And I believe that God's grace and his blessing is upon this house because for years our focus has been to reach the disenfranchised and the broken in our city. And we're going to continue to do that as we move forward, not just here in Calgary, but around the world. And God honors that. But there's not just economic poverty. There is also spiritual and moral poverty. But the best news ever is what Jesus said. You see, here's what the best news is. Let me break it down. The best news is this. God provides for people who are poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poverty needs to happen in your heart, where you say, God, I'm empty of myself. This is what it means. I'm empty of myself, and I need you. Jesus says, then you're blessed if you're in that place. And the anointing is for people in our city who are hungry and open. And I don't know if this fellow's in church this morning, and I, I didn't see him in the 930, but maybe you're here, and if you are, come talk to me. But I met somebody this week, and I invited him to church, and he says, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for sure. And I've been praying for you, and so I hope you're here today, because I want to connect with you. But there was something in his heart. He was just like, I don't have all the answers, but, I, but I'm open. I'm open in my life. You see, 
That's what the anointing is for. There are people there. And if there's one of them, if there's one person that, at Alpha that just came to Christ, if there's, if there's one person with a story where they came to Christ, then there are thousands and thousands of people in our city that are just poor in spirit and open and hungry and ready to receive the gospel. So the best news ever is that God provides for the poor and he heals people who are broken and brokenhearted. The psalmist said that he heals the broken heart and he binds up their wounds. How many are thankful that God is a healer and that he binds up our wounds? And this is the mission of Jesus. This is the mission statement of Jesus. So we're about the poor. We're about the brokenhearted. The fresh anointing on us is to preach and to minister to people who are in need in these ways. And then God frees people who are in prison and who are oppressed. How many are thankful that God sets people free from captivity, from chains, whether it be an actual prison or a spiritual prison or a mental prison? God God is in the prison-breaking business, and he always has been, and he is today through us as we walk in this fresh anointing. God makes a home for the lonely, the psalmist says. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. How many know that when you're a prisoner, when the anointed Jesus encounters your life, that he takes you from a prisoner to a prosperous person? He takes you out of those chains, and he moves you into his kingdom and on mission with purpose. And finally, God gives vision to people who have been blind. I was blind, but now I see, is what the hymn writer said. God opens people's eyes. And this anointing, this anointing that was on Jesus, the the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach. This anointing, friends, is available for you and me today. Through trust and faith in Jesus. He has come to set us free. Amen? And this is good news. This is good news. He has come to break us out of our prison, break us out of our blindness. And then he says this, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. I want to just declare the year of God's favor. This was speaking of Jubilee. This was speaking of the time when all debts were canceled and all slaves were set free. And Jesus just says it. And I love this because here's the final point today. It is Jesus alone who can save. How many are thankful for that? How do we become greater at gospel proclamation? It's the anointing. It's preaching the gospel, the way Jesus preached it and where he focused. It's the power and the presence of God on us, but it's also recognizing that it's only Jesus who does the saving. The pressure's off you. You're to scatter the seed. You're to live your life out in front of the world as a follower of Christ. And and by by his grace, you've been saved and you live that out. But it is only Jesus who can save. And I love what happens here at the end where he, he goes in, to, to the synagogue, and he's given the scripture to read. He reads from Isaiah. He prophesies. Basically, he says, basically, the fulfillment of the pro- prophecy is here. It's me. And it's, it's just such a great picture to me. He, he reads it from the scroll. He closes the book. He hands it to the attendant. And then he sits down. It's, it's incredible. And then he says this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So here's Jesus they give him the scripture, read, reads it, hands it to the attendant, sits down, drops the mic. It's me you're looking for. It's me you're looking for. I'm, I'm here. He is the gospel. The good news of Jesus is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the gospel.
It says in Acts that they met together, but it says it was the Lord that added daily to their number those who were being saved. It's God who does the heavy lifting. How many are thankful for that? And Lord, today we pray in the name of Jesus that you would grace us today. Father, that you would help us. Lord, I thank you that it is you alone who saves. I thank you, Lord, together as we partner with you. I believe that, Lord, you are manifesting your grace and your power in a special way today in our church and through this time. I thank you, God, that you are at work in the hearts and the lives of each person and that you are moving us forward in mission today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm just going to pray with you just a couple directions one more time and we're going to worship one more time here before we go. But Jesus declared that this is the year of the Lord's favor. I want to declare that over us today. And I want to pray two ways with us before we're dismissed today. The first way I want to pray is for people who may not have yet surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you've been trying to do good deeds and you've been trying to, I'm a a pretty good person, but friend, the best news ever is that you don't have to save yourself. There's a savior and his name is Jesus and he loves you so much that God made a way for you to have a relationship with him. He's your creator. He created you. He knows you better than you know yourself. The problem is that sin has broken that relationship, but the good news is that Jesus came in flesh, fully God and fully man. He died for you and Jesus did not come to condemn you. John 3.17 says that God did not come into the world, that Jesus came not into the world, not not to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And that means that as we repent of our sins, we put our trust in Jesus, that he is there, he is fully present today to forgive you of your sin. And you are fully forgiven when you come to Christ. He takes away all your past, all your mistakes, all your failures. This is the good news. This is the best news ever. This is the gospel. That we have peace with God then. We have access within him. We become children of God. It just gets better. It's like not only are your sins forgiven and you're going to heaven. How many think that's good? But he also says, I invite you in to be children. To be part of my family. The Bible says that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. In other words, like we're royalty. This is why it's really good news. And our past is completely forgiven. And we have peace with God. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus left, then he sent his Holy Spirit. And his Spirit is here. And he's helping us to grow. To walk in sanctification. To become more more like Jesus every day. None of us are perfect, but the Holy Spirit is helping us. But it takes humility and it takes surrendering to God. And so I wonder if you're here today. If, so we're praying right now. I just, just ask that we would, would in this moment, if you would like to, you just close your eyes. But friends, let's just be praying for those today who are in the room or online. And if you're here today and you haven't yet received Christ in your life, but you would like to today, you would like to know that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to heaven. In a moment, I'm just going to pray with you and lead you in a prayer. But if that's you today, by lifting up your hand, you're just saying, that's me. Would you remember me in that prayer? I'm saying yes to Jesus today. And if you're online, you could just indicate online and just say, I'm praying. I want prayer. And just push that button there and they will connect with you online. But if you're in the room today too, would you just raise your hand and hold it up just for a few seconds today? Because I want to remember you in prayer. 
And raising your hand is more for you than it is for me. It's just saying, that's the day I knew that I received Christ and I asked him to forgive my sins. Maybe you've been away from God, but today's your day. I'm just gonna wait for a moment. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer today? I'm just gonna look in the room. If there's anyone here today, if there's some, yeah, I see some hands going up. Just hold it there for a minute. I wanna remember you. So Lord, you see these hands. That's the most important thing. You see the hearts of people reaching out to you in this moment. And friends, can we all pray with our friends today? We're all gonna pray together. And if you pray this prayer, you can know that you're going to heaven, that your sins are forgiven. Pray this with us. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today, I ask you to come into my life. Cleanse me of all sin. Today, I put my trust in you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for people responding today. And here's what we're going to do now. I want to pray over us today, and then we're going to move into worship just in a moment. But I want to pray over us today for a fresh anointing to be empowered and anointed gospel proclaimers that God's going to touch our lips he's going to touch our lives he's going to give us creativity he's going to give us open doors how many believe God's going to open doors in people's lives he's going to move upon people's heart it says in the book of Acts that it was Lydia it was God who opened her heart to the gospel and so let's just first of all begin to pray for people that we know people we work with people that are in our lives our neighborhoods friends and relatives let's just begin to pray in the spirit for them right now let's ask God to open their hearts like he opened Lydia's heart to receive the word to receive the seeds that will be planted and then we're going to pray a fresh anointing on us so Lord we pray right now in these moments for our friends and our relatives and our neighbors that are yet to surrender their lives to Christ or maybe those who have wandered or walked away. We thank you, oh God, Holy Spirit, that you are at work even right now bringing conviction by your love and by your power. You are convicting the world of sin, which is what you do so well. And so we partner with you today in prayer and we ask you, Lord God, to touch every heart and life, life, Lord, right now. And we thank you that it's the love of God that leads to repentance and that you would overwhelm this individual. You would overwhelm this person right now with your love, with your power, and with your presence. Oh God, thank you that you are doing the heavy lifting. I thank you, Lord, that we can partner with you in this work that you are doing. And so we give it to you again again today. We give you, Lord, the work and do it by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just offer those people to the Lord right now. Amen. And so here's how I want to pray for us today as well. And I want to pray over us collectively as a church. I believe God's going to give us a fresh anointing collectively. How many agree with that? We're going to collectively, we're going to, we're going to take some ground for the enemy over these next six months to a year plus in the years should Jesus tarry the next decades to come. We are going to be on mission in Calgary and the world and we are going to see a harvest of souls. This is what we are contending for, but we need to together today ask the Lord for a fresh anointing. And this is what's been in my heart. I'm asking it for me. I'm asking it for me and I'm asking it for you that God will give us a fresh anointing for evangelism, for outreach, for sharing the best news ever, for the gospel proclamation to go forth in our city in a way that is salt and light and tasteful, but it's impacting people and changing people. Come on, let's agree together this morning. So Father, we raise our hands and I would invite you, if that's your heart today, to say, God, I, I want a fresh touch of your spirit on my life. I want a fresh anointing. So Lord, you see the hands and the hearts that are being lifted to you today here at First Assembly. 
God, I ask you for a fresh anointing for gospel proclamation. Lord, in every way, every avenue, every place that we are getting the gospel out online, through global missions, through work in our city, through outreach and youth and kids and the Dream Center, in every area, I pray for fresh gospel proclamation anointing. And we declare today that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because He has anointed us to preach good news. So Spirit of the Lord, come upon us fresh. Holy Spirit, come fresh today upon your people and fill us now with your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's worship together today. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.